All right, any questions that you do have for Ari Soldatos, uh, Sofra's uh, chairman of referees' appointments, the WhatsApp voice note 0605842250, and uh, our line here is 089110200. Good evening, Ari. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Rob. Always good to be on your show. Thanks for coming through. I think it's always important that when you hold such an important position as Safa's chairman of referees appointment, that when we put our hands up and we ask for your accountability and your availment to come through, then you are available uh, to not talk to me, but to talk to the public. Yes, absolutely. We've got no difficulty speaking to the public and addressing whatever concerns there appear to be. Are there more concerns now, though, Ari? I mean, just from a personal perspective, give me a sense. Are there more concerns now than... In a long time? You know, Rob, what I've noticed, and I've noticed this over the many years that I've actually been undertaking this portfolio, is that these concerns seem to actually come at once. Mm -hmm. It's almost seasonal that you'll have a particular, you remember towards the beginning of last season as well, in the game between Cape Town City and I think it was Polo Kwane, if I recall correctly. In the aftermath of that, there were a couple of what we saw, what we deemed to be reasonably high-profile errors, and then basically it petered down for the rest of the season. And it seems at this point in time mm-hmm. as if there have been a couple of, let's call it, high-profile errors, which once again are attracting public interest. How does that sit with you, given your portfolio, given the image that you want to portray as far as refereeing is concerned in the country? Early in the season, it is important to get a good start. And if early in the season it's already getting the negativity that it's getting, how does that sit with you? Personally, it's always very hurtful. It's hurtful from a couple of perspectives because we at SAFA, and you'll see in terms of the development what we've been doing, we try our utmost to actually get our referees to the point of optimal performance, of efficiency and of excellence. Of course, being the appointments chair, when things do go wrong, inevitably the buck stops with me and I need to face the accountability from that point of view. So personally, it's distressing, it's saddening, and ultimately it is hurtful, but it is part of the game. And I'm certain that I'm not alone from an appointments perspective on this planet facing similar difficulties, which others do as well. What informs, let's say, your appointments? It's a, it's a case of a referee that's been under scrutiny. Yes. I mean, here, here we, we were dealing early on with, uh, you know, the, the lawyer representing Black Leopards. Sure. Um, Mr. Mabuza, dealing with what happened with Victor Klewani at the time. Mm-hmm. And Victor is one of the high profile, one of the senior referees that you do have in, in, in your panel that is available. And he comes up for a lot of scrutiny in the one game where Black Leopards were playing against Chipper United, which seems to carry on in, in, in David Tidiella's mind that he was wronged in that game. Mm-hmm. And so when they were playing in Toyando, then he felt that based on the consistency of what he feels uh, Mr. Chiwani has done wrong as a carryover from you know the Eastern Cape to the North, that it is one person, one decision, but it's all against his club. How then does that shine the spotlight on a Victor Chiwani to say... Is he doing right? Is Mr. Tidiella right or wrong? How do you then go through evaluating what's causing this ruction? Because it is getting media airplay and it's getting negative media airplay. All right. First of all, let me speak from a general perspective. In the appointment of officials, we have a look at a couple of things, Mm -hmm. myself and the committee. We look at the general application at that point in time in terms of the referee's form. Is he in form at the moment? Because like players, Mm -hmm. they also go through peaks and troughs. 
And from that particular perspective, you may find that a referee is going through a bit of a difficult period from a form perspective. Firstly, emotionally, second, personally, and thirdly, from a fitness perspective, we look at that. We also look at the assessments over the last period as well. And we also look at the psychological impact of which previous decisions may have had on that particular official. So it's a combination of factors, really. Form, psychology, fitness levels, and ultimate application. What we would like to think is that a minute an official, or the minute an official is appointed onto the so-called top panel, that that official would be capable of officiating at any game. That's in an ideal world. Mm. Of course, we know that that can't happen, not because the referee doesn't have the ability, but certainly at that particular phase, or at that point of the referee's career, or in, or in his season, he certainly would just not be up to a particular match of a high profile, what we call a high risk or category A game. So it's those particular mm. factors which do inform us. And yes, we do look at history and difficulties with clubs and everything else from that particular point of view, because, you know, as much as People will say, listen, you as the SAFA Appointments Committee have the right to appoint any official to any game. We do also look at the history, at the psychological impact, both from the club and from the referee's perspective. And, you know, generally speaking, we try and strike a balance. Mm -hmm. And, Rob, I must tell you, in most instances, we get it right. And it's when you look at the amount of games which are played on a weekly basis, both in the NFD and in the PSL, Relatively speaking, there are few complaints, mm. but, but we can who? address that a bit later. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just saying, when you get the complaints, who are they mainly coming from? Are they coming as post-match um, assessments from individual coaches? Who, I mean, we've, we've heard, we've, we've actually played the clips before. We've got a couple of clips as well that will play for you. Just to get a sense from you, yes. when you hear all of that, yes. what does it say to you? What it says to me at the end of the day is that First of all, refereeing by its very nature is controversial. It's an individual who's out there or individuals who are out there interpreting a set of circumstances as they see it at that point in time. Often they get it right, but often they get it wrong. From that particular perspective, when they get it wrong, and it does have the effect of changing the result of the game, those referees and those assistant referees are dealt with and dealt with effectively by the review committee. I did mention on a previous show of yours, yes. because other people have indicated, I think it was Clinton Larson who once pointed out a couple of weeks ago, that we never hear what happens to these referees when they earn, when they get brought before a review. Mm -hmm. What I think we need to do and what I need to impress upon our committees is the fact that perhaps the review committee's decision should be made public. And that way, perhaps to some extent, mm -hmm. the public would see that referees who have made erroneous decisions and which have, which have ultimately impacted on the game are dealt with. But why aren't they made public, if I may ask? You see, from that particular perspective, it's a question of going through the communications and the like. I will, you know, I'm not mm. part of the day-to-day -day administrative structures. But from my point of view, that's something which I believe needs to be impressed upon my peers and my colleagues within the structures. And I think we should do that. Why, at this point in time, they haven't been made public. I'm not privy mm. to those particular types of Because I know that decisions. from an international perspective, and I know that you follow the trends as well, if something happens in the EPL on the weekend, even if it's on a Sunday by Tuesday, 
there is an outcome of some sort that is well articulated publicly, whether it's a rescinding of a red card that was given erroneously to somebody or there was uh, you know, a misjudgment of yes. a player giving a wrong red card to a particular individual, is that they have no problem in terms of coming forward and saying X, Y, and Z has happened. Right, and this is something that we are striving to achieve, Rob. One of the important criteria that I personally have been campaigning for, and I know a lot of individuals within the structures Mm. are, is the professionalization of the game from an official DIM perspective. If we were, for example, you drawing the comparison with the EPL on the understanding that that were done and we were to have these types of officials and people applying themselves full time to this, this could be effectively undertaken. So certainly I agree that it can actually cause no harm to let the public know what decisions are ultimately being implemented from that point of view. And obviously, my curious side says the reason up until now that hasn't been articulated to the public, what was it, for example, that the association was trying to safeguard by that knowledge not coming out publicly? No, I don't think that there's anything to safeguard. You know, I've been on your show on numerous occasions specifically indicating which referees and assistant referees Mm. have, in fact, been suspended or relegated or as the case may be and there's no shame in that yes you know it's, it is what it is I mean, it if is, you get red carded you get red carded everybody knows that well that's so, exactly yeah. and even as a player if a player's put on the bench or if he's actually put Sitting into in the, the stands stand, yeah. or whatever the case may be there's no shame it's fact and we're certainly there's no shame on our part in actually indicating mm. what the penalty or the sanction imposed on those officials would be who's the latest casualty of referees to have been either demoted, who's been sanctioned not to referee a game up until further notice? Well, there have been a couple of individuals in over the last period. Um, if I have a look, I know that the review committee is sitting in adjudication on various of these aspects over the next um, couple of weeks. Oh, sorry, over the previous couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. For example, and I think you might make a reference to it in terms of the Bloemfontein Celtic and Sundowns game. Um, the Cape Town City game against Vitz and the like, Mm. those are currently under consideration as we speak. So there are individuals at this point in time who will, in fact, are being brought before the review. And from that point of view, appropriate action to the extent necessary will be taken. Are you able to indulge us in terms of those decisions that were taken? I mean, they were open, they were televised games. Everybody saw what was happening. Yes. What are they reviewing? Are they reviewing their disappointment and the referees and their assistants having taken wrong decisions? Yes, when wrong decisions, as I say, you know, invariably in any game there will be mistakes and misinterpretation. Was it a foul? Was it not a foul? Mm. It's not those which are subject to scrutiny. What is really subject to scrutiny are decisions which change the result of the game. Mm. And from that particular point of view, what we try and do is not it's not really a punishment in the sense that because the guy made a mistake, he's punished. It is a sanction because we do believe that we're in the professional game and there need to be consequences for errors which are made if there is an impact on the result of the game. But it's also part of a corrective measure Mm -hmm. as well. And the fact that an individual may be relegated to the lower leagues, um, actually placed under a mentorship type of program, you can also imagine that when he's seen his decision, as horrific as it may have been, 
televised on countless occasions and he becomes the subject of much discussion in his community and amongst the public at large. That has a psychological impact on him as well Mm. and that could affect his confidence level. So what we try and do is actually get experienced match assessors and commissioners to work through these individuals, rebuild them and bring them back into the game on a progressive Mm. basis. I mean, I know, for example, somebody like uh, Daniel Bennett has been out for a while. Yes. Um, And that probably had to do with what? Failing within the exercise regime? Yes. Daniel Bennett was actually injured. Okay. So he did not participate in the fitness tests, which we had at the beginning of the season and the one immediately thereafter. But I'm happy to record that he did pass the last fitness test, which was about two weeks ago. I've tried through my committee bringing him in and bleeding him back into the actual game. He had a fourth official game in Whitbank, I think it was, on the weekend. Mm. He will have a game or two in the NFD over the next couple of weeks, and then hopefully he'll be back in the PSL structures. You don't bring them back and throw them into the deep end after they've been on mm. on a fairly sustained basis, Rob. There are a couple of referees who I haven't seen um, yes. who were very prominent before. Is, is their absence due to what is predominantly what? fitness level? Fitness levels. Yes. If we have a look at a gentleman, yeah. a very good referee like Christopher Harrison. Yes. You saw he had a fairly good season last year. FIFA referee and the like. Um, he took a fitness test when he was not well. And, you know, once you commit yourself to the test, you've committed. Yes. And you fail, you fail, and you're disqualified. And basically you can't run until such time as an official fitness test is convened once again. So he's the one that springs readily to mind. Um, I'm not quite sure who else there might be. Let me think. Um, Yeah, I think it's mainly Christopher Mm. Harrison at this point in time, only him. And he is, I must tell you, he's sorely missed Mm. by the refereeing fraternity and particularly by ourselves from an appointments perspective. But hopefully he will be back soon. There was talk at some stage of a referee or two in terms of alcohol abuse. Has that come to mind to you? Have you taken any action against such behavior? Well, you know, in terms of alcohol abuse, and if there are allegations of alcohol abuse, you need to look at it from a couple of perspectives. Firstly, is it in fact alcohol abuse? Secondly, is the individual concerned an alcoholic? And is it perhaps a form of incapacity as opposed to conduct? You know, because if the person has a genuine illness or an incapacity from that point of view, once again, there need to be corrective measures which are taken. That falls outside of my particular domain as appointments. But in the ordinary course, the review in conjunction with a disciplinary committee would look and pronounce upon that. I haven't, from an appointments perspective, been told don't appoint X or Y or Z because of alleged alcoholism or the mm. like. So nothing is, has been reported of no, that nature? Or certainly that not to me. All right. We're going to play a, a clip here that's come through because from a coaching perspective as well, uh, Sundown's coach, Pitom Simani, actually said that South African referees are protected and also unaccountable. Uh, he literally said this, and I'm glad you mentioned the game again, Ari, uh, which when his team drew 1-1 against Budvesvitz, that was a league game. Uh, he had been complaining about the poor officiating in their last few matches. Do you know what happens in the UK? Not even UK. In Europe, when an official makes a mistake, he knocks on your door. Guys, sorry, I made a mistake. It cost you points. Sorry. It won't bring back the points, but, but humility to say sorry. In South Africa, these guys are protected. They don't say sorry. They, they, they are not accountable. We are accountable for the results. They are not accountable. They walk away. And what's going to happen? 
if I have to ask. Or what has ever happened? Nothing happens. So what do you do? It's a lost cause. You don't talk. You, keep, you just move on because anyway, the, the worst thing is they gang up against you. They can, they can gang up against you. They say, oh, that one is complaining and, and they can do that. I know that mentality. They can. I'm not saying they're doing. They have, they have ability to can do that and then this sort them out those ones they complain every week about us. So sometimes you, you, you have to, 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 to be careful of how you say it. But so that's it. Top eight, semi-final, offside, the goal. Sure, Top eight, Cape Town City, offside. We played the Bloomfield and Celtic. In the first minute, we do the same corner kick. Did you see? And then the, the linesman got it right, ne? was offside. Ne? So what, what, what's the difference? Who cares? Cape Town City lifted the trophy. Who cares? Who cares? Nobody cares. So you are complaining, ah, this guy cried baby, some complaint. Hey, but it is the I don't care. Is, the, is it the fact? It's the truth. I tell the truth all the time. I tell the truth. You know what I'm trying to say? That's the way it is. We lost points in Celtic. Chambers one did he touch the ball, Mike? He never touched the ball. Was he in front of the goalkeeper? He was there on the side. Did you see the the goal yesterday? Today was it yesterday? Man City, uh, Man United, the third goal, Man, third goal of Man United. The guy is directly in front of him. Goal. Chambers one is there on the edge, on the edge. So who did they report to? I think they report to Newtown, if I'm not mistaken. Let's deal with the factual part of, of that. And, and Hansa said, in its totality, that's the game of football. It, it gives opinions at the end of the match. That's what he feels. Sure. How much of that is true? All right. Um, let's deal ish firstly with the offsides calls to which he made reference. You know, having been an assistant referee of many years standing myself, I understand how difficult it is from time to time to call Mm -hmm. a particular decision. In most instances, I say the guys do get it right. In the instance of Bloemfontein Celtic, I'll be the first to put my hand up and say that although the individual was in an offside position, he was not interfering with play or seeking to gain an advantage from being in that position. I can understand why the assistant concern gave it. The temptation was huge, but it was erroneous. As far as the Vitz game is concerned, to which you made reference, Rob, that was a close call. I was watching that game myself, and when I saw the goalkeeper, it's Keat, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It was a very, very marginal call as to whether he was on the line of the penalty area or not. Mm-hmm. The assistant on that particular um, game is a young individual by the name of Sean Olive. He came to the conclusion that he actually handled it on the line, which would be part of the penalty area. When you look at it very, very closely, you can see that Darren Keat was probably about half a meter over the line. But it happens quickly and it happens in real time. What I'm saying is, in an instance such as that, you've got to make the call quickly. Mm. Was it in or was it out of the area? And Olive made the election giving the benefit to the defense as invariably in from a psychological perspective you do and said play on the fact of the matter is that particular decision is not a game-changing decision because what would have happened at worst a free kick because it's outside the penalty area mm-hmm. perhaps a red card for thwarting a deliberate goal scoring opportunity if it were to be that if it's interpreted that way but there were players that were falling back and the like so yellow card it doesn't mean that of necessity a goal would have been Mm. scored from there um the yes 
The Celtic game to which he made reference, that was indeed a game-changing decision because that goal perhaps should have been allowed, in fact should have been allowed to stand. But the fact of the matter is, and it's unfortunate that it appears that some of the gripes are that in the Sundowns instance, for example, it's happened in two consecutive games. Yeah. Is that targeting? And that's exactly what the next question would be. Is there a question of targeting? I can tell you, Rob, our referees do not target. Okay, contrary to what people may believe out there, there's no cheating, there's no targeting, there's nothing along those lines. And mistakes are made, and honestly, in 90% of the situations where mistakes are made, I often look at this and I think, oh, wow, what would I have done? Mm. Close call, 50-50 and the like. I remember Gavin Hunt two or three years ago saying exactly the same thing. Why is it at the end of the day that when referees do make mistakes, and I acknowledge they'll make mistakes, he says, that we're always on the receiving end of those mistakes. Yes. In other words, we're not getting the benefit. It just so happens that he got the benefit twice in two games now, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's really not a question of targeting, Rob. Well, let's, let, let's deal with that very same issue, though, um, of targeting. Marawa Sports Worldwide. In Europe, when an official makes a mistake, he knocks on your door. Guys, sorry, I made a mistake. It cost you points. Sorry. In South Africa, these guys are protected. They don't say sorry. They're not accountable. They walk away. And what's going to happen? Or what has ever happened? Nothing happens. The worst thing is they gang up against you. They can they can gang up against you. They say, oh, that one is complaining and, and they can do that. I know that mentality. They can. I'm not saying that to you. Not only do we get victimized straight away, but even in future games. You know, they hold grudges and, and they come out and they look for you, you know. And, and uh, we all know that happens you know it's uh, we can't run away from it your team gets cautioned for everything and no matter what fouls or how they kick your team they only get a talking to so yeah i'm just a bit really fed up i've already received letters within five days five days you ask yourself for me five days five days there were people burning the stadium how many how long did it take three days call him no, 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 I never had things going my way. I can, let's talk. You go to history and you're a statistic guy. I have never benefited. Never. Tell me of a penalty that I scored that was not legitimate. No. Mami Lodi Sundowns, they always receive the short end of the stick. Mami Lodi Sundowns, never. Never. Other people, yes. Not Mami Lodi Sundowns. Referees are sharp and make mistakes. They make mistakes. And then we need to swallow the hot potato. Be a gentleman. Against all odds, eh? Sundowns. The other thing, who cares? I saw another coach in Marisbeck, Manjan Magazi, a good friend, did this to Madden Dog. Do you remember that case? How long did it take? It took a year. It took a year. This, to the referee, live on TV. If I do that, uh, life sentence. <laughs> it took a year. It took a year. Check your statistics. It is the fact, it's the truth. It took a year. But you have to get rid of me, eh? Because I'm always a problem, a thorn in the flesh. Other teams must win. You are about to go to 10 titles. Hey, you, the gap getting bigger. They have to stop me. Whichever way. But I'm here. It's too low. It's still, it's still going to go. As long as I'm in football, it's gonna, we're going to fight for the league. I'm going to be there until I retire. What's your reaction to that? All right. Um, a couple of things. Let's get back to the fact that there's the perception that there is no sanction which is meted out and that basically 
the referee society is an old boys club. I've heard that particular mm, mm. Um, statement since my days of active refereeing. From that particular point of view, referees and assistant referees, when they err and err on a grossly negligent perspective to the extent that it affects the result of the game, are dealt with. I've dealt with the issue of the publication, and once again, I believe that that's a route that we need to seriously engage upon, which will perhaps temper that to believe that when mistakes are made that there are no consequences as a result of this. From the point of view generally of overall refereeing and the fact that there is the so-called targeting and with certain clubs they're pristine and with other clubs they're not pristine and particularly look to go out there and see what they can do, once again, Rob, I reject that mm. absolutely unequivocally and unconditionally. It's not happening. It may be at the end of the day that both from a coach and from a referee's perspective, we are serving different ideologies and we are serving different dreams and different masters, so to speak. But really, from a SAFA perspective, we don't buy into that. Our referees are brought through and the behind the scenes work which SAFA do mm. to groom referees and bring them into the elite structures. Let me actually point the following out to you. We had a couple of weeks ago the MTN8 Cup final. The referee on that particular occasion was a gentleman called Eketsang Setloboko. His assistant was Alpha Sitole. His other assistant was Janki Dlamini. There hasn't been one peep of a comment about who these referees are. Where are they from? And you know what that means? It means that they're good. Mm. Because from our perspective, when a referee is unnoticed, he's done his job commendably well. You guys on the television indicated during the course of that game, wow, it's a bold step to give a game of such importance to young upcoming referees. We haven't heard of these guys and whatever. That's part and parcel of the SAFA development program, which nobody gives us appropriate recognition for. There are guys coming through the ranks. There are youngsters. We've got to start understanding that the Bennets, the Tinyanis, the Klunguanis, those guys are actually getting towards the end of their tenure. And we have a responsibility to the public and to the refereeing community at large to bring individuals in and to actually promote them as we deem appropriate to these particular structures. Now, of course, they need to actually be tried out. Yeah. We need to see whether they have the psychological must. At the beginning, I indicated psychology is a very important indication because at that level, they've generally satisfied us that they do have the technical ability. And, of course, they do have the fitness. But do they have the psychological muster to go out there in front of a crowd of 50, 60, 70,000 people and 15, 20 television and radio listeners, you know, to actually manage a game of that magnitude? How do you ever get to understand that until you throw them into the lion's den and see how they fare? And whilst I acknowledge that the PSL and the NFD is certainly not a learning school or a crash, mm. certainly at some stage we were all given that particular opportunity. And sometimes it's a matter of sink or swim. So, you know, is there more swimming than sinking? Oh, yes, there's definitely more swimming. And that's why I say when you have a look generally at how many games are undertaken, both midweek and on weekends in the NFD and in the PSL. And generally speaking, how few complaints there really are when you have a look at the amount of games which are played. I think referees and refereeing generally is not in the sorry state that the public or certainly numerous members of the public believe that it is. 
Many of these games go by on a weekly basis, absolutely unnoticed and unpublicized from a referee perspective, simply because the referee has done what I said he should do, and that is to go about doing the game quietly and without being noticed. Ari Soldatos, first chairman of referees' appointment, uh, literally just saying that week in and week out, games are played, and he feels that they're doing a good job. He feels that a lot of it going unnoticed. Using the example of the MTN8 with relatively unknown uh, referees and assistants being in charge of that particular game, having no problem. 89 that's the number to dial. Don't go anywhere. After the break, we take your calls. What can I say? I think we've done everything we possibly could. You know, I think technically we were organized. We were a better team. We started off slow. We allowed them into the game, but then I think then we got the, the jitters out of ourselves and then we started playing the football that we know we can. But yeah, when you play against a Kaiser Chief team and their best player is the referee, then you know you've got no chance. So I know the league's going to come for me, but they're more than welcome too because I don't know how many times this is going to happen before we do something about it because, yeah, how do you explain to players now where it's gone wrong? And I don't think tactically or our organization that we were that bad. It was just some awful decisions. Your team gets cautioned for everything. And no matter what fouls or how they kick your team, they don't get, they only get a talking to. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm just a bit really fed up. Not because we got hammered 4-1. You know, it's, it's bad enough. But, yeah. All right, you're riding with us right here on Radio 2000. Give us a call. It is 089-110-2000. Otherwise, 0605842250. That is our WhatsApp voice note. Radio 2000, 97.2 to 100. Ari Soldatos is my guest here tonight. Safa's chairman of referees appointments. And you know what's fascinated me about our conversation with Ari, and I've got to uh, put that out there because you're listening, you're not watching the man, is that everything he has said, every name that he has mentioned, he does not have a single piece of paper. He's not reading from anywhere. He doesn't have it on his phone. He doesn't have a phone on him. The, the, the names of the linesmen or the assistant referees and the referees that he's mentioning from different games and different incidents, those aren't coming from a piece of paper. They're all in his mind. How he remembers them, I have absolutely no idea. But that I thought I would share with you at home because, you know, this is radio. And I've got to commend you as well. It shows, again, the commitment to what you do. Thanks, Rob. Some people do what you do, sit at home, get a PA to write out all of these things. You haven't been able to do that. Whether we agree or disagree, I must sure. commend you for that. Thank you. Claudello from Midrand, good evening. Hi, hi, Rob. Uh, good evening to you and the listeners in the chair. Thanks for joining us. Ari's here. Um, I just want to, you know, throw a span in the works and, and pose two questions um, to your to your, to your guest. Um, I, 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 I heard him mention something about um, there's less complaints that are coming through to suffer, and that means that they, the rest are doing well. I think people nowadays don't really get rewarded for doing the right thing. Um, it's part and parcel of being in society. So when refs do what they're supposed to do, there will be less complaints. The second point I want to make is I feel the refs have stopped complaining because every time they put through a complaint, they get fined. 
So the, the, the main complaints that do come out is the gross negligence in the game. I mean, I'm a chief supporter, but in that game against Sundowns vs. Arrows, the man was clearly not interfering with play. So how come we as the public, you know, the loving, the, the loving supporters do not get um, what repercussions happen to that ref? Because we all know the rules of the game. He has not interfered with play. Why hasn't that, that goal been awarded to, 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 to Sundowns? Okay, Ari? Yes, Lavutero, thank you for that. Um, first of all, you're right, and I think that is one of the reasons why there's been this intense campaign globally now to introduce the VAR. It's particularly in instances like that where there may be some doubt and where the referee can make a call as to whether a goal should be allowed or not. And what I said earlier on is that not that there's been lesser complaints, I indicated that in circumstances where there are complaints, they are dealt with. But even where there are not complaints, the review committee actually sits in adjudication of particular decisions and ultimately will make a call as to whether the officials concerned got it right or wrong. And to the extent that they got it wrong, and once again, to the extent, I beg your pardon, to the extent that it may have had an adverse impact on the result of the game, one way or another, then, of course, that official is dealt with. There will generally be complaints. What I did indicate was that when you have a look at how many games are played in the NFD and the PSL on a weekly basis, even on a monthly basis when you look at it collectively, and when you see how many decisions are ultimately brought before the review and how many are ultimately questioned, when you compare those particular two attributes... I beg your pardon, then you'll get to an understanding that by far the majority of the games go by without incident. We go through the assessments from the match commissioners very, very, very carefully. And in circumstances where there may be any misgiving which is raised by a commissioner in the performance of a referee or an assistant referee, that is automatically dealt with. It doesn't necessarily mean that there needs to be a complaint from an official of the club or anybody else for us to act on that. Okay. All right. Fair okay. enough. But, but thanks so much. A great question Thank that you asked. I, I won't come back again, uh, given what uh, the caller has just put on the table. And um, I think I got a pretty much a follow up question, which might also help in that argument. Lungi and Joba, good evening. Uh, good, me- good evening, Mr. Marao, and good, good evening to your, to your guests over there. Hello, Lungi. Uh, Mr. Marao, just, just two points that I'd like to uh, raise with Mr. Aris. Yeah. Um, first of all, is. Um, I think, to a certain extent, we get a feel that, um, you know, it's almost a criminal to, you know, um, scrutinize the performance of the referees. I mean, how I see it is the sentence or the sanctions are rather much more harsher on the people actually complain about, um, you know, the referees' mistakes than the referees accounting for their mistakes. So I think maybe they should come out public and, uh, you know, lay out formal structures whereby coaches or anyone for that matter can raise complaints against referees so that people don't feel like they, you know, they almost like silence. Because I think they should be, you know, um, uh, they should be able to be criticized. Of course, I do agree that it should be done in a respectful manner. Mm-hmm. And hence I'm saying that they should come out publicly and, you know, lay it out to the public as to what are the channels that one can, you know, um, can, can, can exhaust in order to raise complaints against our referees. And secondly, I think my, my important point is I'd just like um, your guests to, you know, just kindly please uh, take this into consideration in that we have seen a lot of stops in our games. And this, um, this, this comes from the fact that there's just a lot of unnecessary stops. 
there's a lot of, uh, you know, just the free-flowing of the game is, is, is severely, you know, affected. So maybe do they ever sit down with their referees and maybe uh, dis- discuss with them as to to what extent do, does the referee, you know, um, take it upon himself to allow a free-flowing game? Because you understand, if you're going to have a game whereby there's a stop every 30, 40 seconds and there's a player down and all of that, I think as an as an as a match official, you should take it upon as your responsibility to ensure that the game is free flowing. Because at the end of the day, it might not be the referee's fault, or rather, it 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 might just impact on the overall picture of the game. You know, so I think we've seen a lot of that, a lot of fake fouls, even. And I think the referees really need to take that into consideration mm-hmm. that we want you know free flowing games. And at times, just like a lot of the stops that we see in our games, um. They're very, very unnecessary. Just to make you uh, uh, an example to this, I think the week or two weeks before the, the NTNA final, the game between Arrows and Cape Town City down in Cape Town, they played out to 0-0 tour. And in that game, really, there was just too many stops, and that's just one in the many. So to what extent do they discuss with the match officials to just let a game to be you know, free-flowing? Thank okay. you so much, Mr. Great one. Thank you so much indeed. Maybe let's take the tail end of that briefly, Ari. Thanks, Lungi. Thank you for that question. First of all, people, we certainly understand and appreciate, pay good money to watch free-flowing, great, entertaining football. The minute there is any form of stoppage, sporadic, intermittent stoppages of the game and the like, it detracts from the spectacle. The problem which officials face in these particular circumstances, particularly where there may be feigning injuries and the like, is that we, from a refereeing perspective, don't actually know, firstly, whether the player is actually injured or whether that particular player is just feigning injury for the purposes of buying time or because his team may be under pressure at that particular point in time and they want to break the smooth passage of play and the like. Very often there may be a head injury, and when there's a head injury, there's no debate that the game has got to come to an end. But certainly... In the seminars which we have with our referees and in our conferences, we make it absolutely clear that they, at the end of the day, can contribute to the entertainment and the enjoyment of the spectacle by allowing the game to proceed and flow as smoothly as it possibly can with minimal disruption. And that is always, Lungi, the underlying theme and the tone which we convey um, to them. As far as the issue is concerned with regard to the sanctions which are meted out on officials who have got it wrong in the preceding period, you know, it's always a very, very difficult balance that we need to try and attain here. And please just put yourself in our perspective for just a moment. Here you have a referee who has blundered and assume it's quite a serious blunder. You have from an officialdom perspective, from SAFA's perspective, from a training and development perspective, invested so much time, effort, energy and money in getting that referee to a particular level that he now officiates in the top structures. He's had a bad game. He's made a very bad call. It's a dreadful call. It's had an impact on the result of the game. And all those things that I've mentioned ad nauseum over the last hour or so Mm -hmm. are done to him. You know, it's a fine balance between taking corrective action and taking punitive action in those particular circumstances. So what we try and do is not discourage the referee altogether that he goes out there and hangs up his whistle and says that's it I'm finished as far as refereeing is concerned 
We put him through this particular program. Sometimes it's going into the considerably lower structures of the league, getting him rebuilt and getting his confidence levels back. And ultimately what happens is hopefully through the progression of time and under proper and effective mentorship program, he gets his confidence and his technical ability back and he's in a position once again to officiate. You know, action in these particular circumstances in my personal view, and I think this is the majority of the public as Mm -hmm. well, would feel should be corrective rather than strictly punitive. All right, let's uh, rattle through a couple of the calls. We'll be going to news at uh, two minutes past the hour. Uh, let me go to Kamo from Soweto. Good evening. Yes, I want to Mr. Marawa in Eri. Welcome. Yes, I just want to ask a simple question. Uh, what's the status regarding the magic spray? I mean, I, re- I remember you, there was one match in the cup game you used it. I think there was a game against Chiefs. So I want, just wanted to ask uh, the, uh, uh, the status regarding the magic spray. Yes, Good one. The, nice one. Right. The magic spray is in the process of being introduced. Hopefully it will be introduced formally and officially within the next couple of months. Um, we, from a SAFA perspective, are endeavoring our utmost to make sure that from a technical and an application perspective, we keep up with the developments and the international developments as far as refereeing is concerned. So you can expect to see the technical spray very shortly being What's been the delay, though, if I may ask? This has been an implementation for about two seasons internationally. We kind of use it as a, uh, in a practice at some game or another thing. Victor Gomes was in charge of that match, yes. if I'm not mistaken. And then it you know, didn't happen. It's, there's a couple of things here, Rob. What needs to happen, basically, is there needs to be an agreement as to, firstly, between the league and the, uh, between the PSL and SAFA as to how it's going to be undertaken. Um, it's certainly something which is in the process of being conducted. It falls immediately outside of my domain. That's more a mm-hmm. technical feature. And perhaps that question can be reserved for the guys who wouldn't know. But I certainly do know that there have been considerable measures which have been taken to introduce it and that they're at a fairly advanced stage. Senzo and Sakane, nice and brief. How are you, Baba? I'm very good, Baba. Welcome. Thanks for bringing this interview. I've been wanting to hear this interview on Raja. Greetings to the chairman. Uh, what I want to know, is it possible for the PSL to hire uh, the the referees permanently waiting for PSL? Because I believe... If the referees will be working like part-time uh, referees, that is why we're seeing uh, buyers uh, officiating like this. And again, with sundowns, I also felt that uh, our officiating uh, are targeting sundowns because even uh, the last game, I was not happy the way they officiated, but I'm happy to hear that, okay, like the game against Celtic, they're looking at the thing. But I, I feel that PSL should have uh, refere- referees working permanently under PSL, not the part-time jobs. All Thank right. you. Thank you, Senzo. Thanks, Thank you for that. Um, first of all, in accordance with the FIFA statutes, all referees need to fall under the Confederation. In this particular instance, it's SAFA. You can't have referees belonging to an affiliate of the actual association. But I think what Senzo is actually referring to is the professionalization of referees, something along the lines of what they call in England the PGMOL, the Professional Game Match Officials. And that is something I've personally been a campaign of professionalized refereeing for a long time now. Mm. But of course, you know, and there's not that many countries in the world which do have full-time professional referees because there are considerably many obstacles. There's employment-related issues, there's contractual issues, there's monetary issues and the like. 
But certainly if this were left in my hands, it would be certainly something which I would pursue. And I do know that there are many proponents for this. But of course, there is a lot of red tape to overcome. And certainly I do believe that in the future, it would be the way to go. Are they well paid at the moment? Yes, I think referees are very well paid in the South African context. Okay. Ari, you know what? There's so much. And, and people are asking me if we could do another round of this soon. Sure. Um, I just think from a personal perspective, there's a lot. Because the time has lapsed so much. Not only calling you because it's controversial moments, <laughs> but I just think there's so much more that we need to indulge in. I think we saw Absolutely. an incident even over the weekend where, you know, a, a Wayne Arnsa coming off from a grandstand who was not forming part of the team sheet that was handed over. And I think there's a rule within the NSL, PSL, that does not allow for that to happen, saying that yes. the club is only supposed to take players that are in the team sheet that is handed over. You can't call a player from up top to come through. But Vitz didn't lay a charge or yes. didn't protest, whatever the technical term is. Right. You know, so if we are able to talk about those things, but am I correct in terms of that observation? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. But you, you're okay to come back? Anytime, Rob. Okay. Harry, thank you. Thank you so much indeed. Thanks, Rob. Harry Soldatos. I wanted to ask him as well. Do referees have teams that they support, maybe from childhood? You know, are referees allowed to bet on Betway or Sport Passer or Super Bets like most football supporters? That was a question from Fana Boy Msibi. All right, don't forget, tomorrow we are going to have our part two with Danny Jadon. He's agreed to come through. So any of your questions, keep it logged right here on the show. I think we're going to start with them from top of the show, I believe. Yep. Yeah. So 6 o'clock, be with us as we run it through. I do believe that our newsroom is ready, and uh, we'll get the latest in the news.